This is Unfilter, episode 238 for May 31st, 2017. My fear is our constant focusing on the Russians is uh, deflecting away for some other things that we need to be investigating in. There's still some question as to whether the intrusion at the DNC server was an insider job or whether or not it was the Russians. Well, no what evidence? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What the insider job? What are you referring to here? Because I hope it's not this information that Fox News just refused to be reporting. Well, again, there, there, there's stuff circulating on the Internet. My question is, what? why have what's the circulating on the Internet? What's, exactly. what's, circulating, what's circulating on the Internet? Fresh off our memorial holiday break, we're back again for another edition of Unfiltered Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chase. At the new touch soundboard that can play one sound file at a time, Mr. Chris Fisher. Hey, Chris. Hey there, buddy. Good to be back with you. Thank you. Yeah, did you have a nice break? I, I did. I took the, I took the, the little, little lady ones? out for a, a trip to the zoo. Oh, you just you just drove down the freeway. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Trip to the zoo. Yeah. To What's zoo. which zoo? Well, the Woodland Park Zoo. Oh, I, I these saw penguins. Zoo. It was pretty good. It was okay. pretty good. But you know, the news was crazy. So we were clipping all the whole time. We never took any time off. Yeah. Uh, from the back end, and producer Matt was uh, working away, and we've been staying on top of stuff. So we'll have we'll have some clips from the week we were off. We'll have some clips uh, from this week, and same with the uh, show note links and. And all that stuff. We got all Fair kinds enough. of stuff. But you know, we we generally start right here at the top of the show with a little cyber. That's how we like to warm things Usually. up. Usually, but this week, yeah, this week we're yeah. going to take a moment in Chase's corner. Yeah, yeah, Chase's corner. Not a grind my gear segment. Not a Patreon segment. This is something Just some Chase's corner. You know, I I nearly uh, and you didn't know this. By the way, Chris always tells me save it for the show. Save the content. <laughs> Because if you don't save it for the show, you're wasting valuable content. So this is breaking news to me. This is breaking news. I almost quit the show last week. (laughs) Chase, but I wasn't even doing the show last week. That must have been bad. (laughs) It was that bad that I almost quit. No, there was no show, and that's why. No. uh, (laughs) No, so so here's the deal. What's going on, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is what you always say all the time, Well, that's what somebody always says. Here's the thing. Oh, oh, the other one. Uh, (laughs) The brown one. <laughs> the other one. I, uh, I've i received a couple of emails over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I would assume from listeners from the show. I don't know if they're patrons or not. I didn't bother to, to check it and see if they were. But Maybe they think you're a Devin Nunes. It, well, yeah. no. no. Okay. It, was, okay. it was specifically to some jackass named Chase. Um, I'm trying to put this in, in, uh, in statements, but let me just say this. What on this, what well, well, it really started to rub me, and it started. Did to they say me, something mean? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Buddy. It's okay. It happens, and I and I know that being a uh, quote unquote talent on a show, that I should expect uh, expect uh, from time to time constructive criticism and feedback and that sort of thing. And one of the things that I will be nice about and say is uh, someone calling me out and saying, you know, there, there's Chase, you know. Uh, pouting off the uh, the liberal talking points or the democratic media or you know the biased media or whatever, and right now we are in a time where we, we are. are more polarized than ever. Ooh. And the one thing that 
bothers me a lot. And I see both networks do this. And I and when I say both networks, I say the right-leaning Fox networks and the left-leaning CNN networks and all these other different Everybody places. in between. Everybody in between. <laughs> Russia <laughs> Today, MSNBC. It's a real it's, I mean, it's a real dumpster fire. Yeah. And I've been watching most of them. I will not say I watch them all because there's just so many hours in a day and so much content. Yeah. I don't know how you and producer Matt does it, but you guys do it. That being said... It really starts to bug me now that, you know, even our own listeners and the people that either support this show or listen to the show are slowly starting to fall in uh, to camps and teams. Meaning, you know, if if I don't say exactly what you think or what you believe in, that I'm just quoting off a talking point instead of me being who I am and me and what I feel is what is going on in my interpretation. Okay. I'm not sitting here next to you, Chris, spouting out talking points just because maybe I saw someone else's talking point. I have formed my own opinion. Is it fact? Hopefully. You know, yeah. all we all we have to go on is what we see on television, what we read on the internet. And even mm. then, we don't even know that's the truth because, you know, <laughs> you and I, Chris, you know, we, we, we were having discussions on Telegram just, just like, I want to move to Fiji yeah. because... It's getting so it's, it's getting so crazy because there could be another underlying hidden narrative thing going on here that we really don't know. It's all subjective. I got a little bacon for you. Well, let me cap it up and oh, okay. then you can well, yeah, throw okay. the bacon at me. Okay, I think it's about your email though. But go ahead. Okay. All I can say is this, you guys: don't don't let yourself, if you're listening to this show, get trapped hmm. by what you feel, what we say, what charges you. That sort of thing triggers you, if you will. Yeah, I follow what you're saying. And and just, you know, if someone has a dissenting point of view from you, like if I say something that you disagree with, yeah. instead of attacking me and saying, you know, you're just spouting off points, I don't agree with those points, or if I don't respond to you in a timely manner to give you five different examples that you're already going to discount anyway because you yeah. heard it from another source. Yeah. Just be respectful of other people's opinions, but it's not. It's preach, beyond, it, brother. It's, preach be, it. it's beyond respect here. It's beyond that. I am not an expert. Okay, I am a thirty-eight-year-old guy that lives in Western Washington, handsome bastard. That I consider myself a fiscal conservative and a libertarian when it comes to other points of view. There are things on the left-hand side of the aisle and the right-hand side of the aisle that I agree with and disagree with. And there are times that I'm going to sound like a Democrat. There would be times I'm going to sound like a Republican. There are going to be because times those I, are arbitrary divisions. Right, right, exactly. And all I got to say is this. If you don't agree with what I have to say based on the content of what I'm saying, maybe I'm saying something that's not correct, and you have some like legitimate, like fact-checked, independent reporting, <laughs> good luck finding it, that proves your point of view, I, you know, I'm flexible. If I've been wrong— and we've always been on right on the show saying, you know, if we get something on any wrong, topic, on any topic, on yeah. anything, let us know. It's just it gets to the point for me, and the re, and getting back full circle to why I was thinking about walking away from it. It's just like you know what? At the end of the day, you know, I care about our country. I care about you know making sure that we don't go to war. I also make sure that we're. We're spending our tax dollars fiscally. I, I care about all these things. I, mm-hmm. Even though I don't have kids, I care that your kids live in a world, Chris, yeah. that they have an opportunity to do whatever it, they it want to do. It goes to sort of the motivation just, to start the show. It was like yeah. we, we were watching all of this happen 
And it's like you, you want to do something, but as a as a middle class, uh, you know, nobody, you have no power to really change anything Zero. in politics. Zero. But the one thing we do have is we have the knowledge of how to work a microphone right. and use a camera switcher yeah. and in, and grab clips yeah. and and put our thoughts together. And so this is what we can do. This is our act of trying to change the world, right. and that is our only motivation. Right. Following a particular political leaning is not our motivation. No. There's, there's, there, it's, that would be a short-term bet for us, and we're in this for the long term. Now, I'll tell you what's going on, and it's really, it's really unfortunate. And is this I, kind of the bacon. Yeah, only it's not bacon. Okay. It's, it's just it sounds like I was gonna I was gonna trivialize it by calling it bacon, but it's actually real and it's actually happening to the show. Uh, and I think it's the downside of um, just the show's been growing, and so we've had a few things happen, like people are stealing the show and reposting it on YouTube. But that's fine because then it just means more people get to hear the show. At the end of the day, we don't really have a problem with it if they're they're actually getting more views than we are, and sometimes on a, on our own channel. So hey, have at it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully more, and they're not. They don't seem to be cutting the show up, but it sucks because it doesn't give us. They don't link back to us and or anything like that, but. You know, those things start to happen. But another thing that started to happen, and it's most pervasive in our subreddit, and I believe oh, it's spilling over to our email inbox. Yeah. And this is really bad. And so I'll give you an example. And I wasn't going to, I haven't said anything for months about it, but Unfilter41 in the Unfilter subreddit is an example of somebody who's constantly going after me about. I only about where I source our show notes from, or where they come from. Right, exactly. Right. <clears throat> I, I've and seen I've, that. I've responded notes. to them a couple of times, and the and the way our show notes work is I source everybody, so that way we have a we have a record of which news outlets were reporting what and where these inf- these stories were coming from. The whole idea being that you could do some big analysis on our show notes over the years and and look at a full spectrum of news reporting. So we don't only cite the New York Times, yeah. we but we do, and we don't only cite Breitbart, but it has happened. Now we're not. Including them in our analysis necessarily, but we're giving you a report on who was talking about this stuff. And I've explained that to him over and over again, but he chooses to cherry pick certain links over, say, five, ten episodes of this show that he finds to be particularly offensive based on his claims. And then he goes after me in the subreddit saying that I. I'm 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 like linking to right wing propagandist media or something. Right. My point is, is it's actually it's more it's more insidious than what it appears. It's it is somebody who has a strong agenda who is using very sophisticated means of manipulating public perception to change a discussion in a community. Yeah. I've seen it happen before. There's a couple other people in the subreddit that are doing it. He's the one that comes to mind because he likes to. He likes to play that little game over and over again with me, which gets tiring because it's. It, I've obviously explained it to him several times now. Uh, so it's. It, it is at least. It is at least discouraging to see that when the show gets to a certain size, this starts to happen because that starts to spill over into our inboxes, and they try to screw with us a little bit. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's like I uh, here, why I it, to, to give you my honest opinion. I imagine the person behind Unfilter Forty One is two things: either somebody who is. A little obsessed, which is a possibility, or somebody who is responsible for managing the discussion in several communities and our show has, or our subreddit has just gotten barely big enough to show up in, in his radar. And so now it's part of his probably several communities that he's participating in because right. he's probably using the same sourced information and links 
and and talking points across multiple communities. I, I want to be careful that we don't launch some sort of doxing attack on somebody or anything like that, just because maybe they're trying to start problems. It is or interesting though to see but that, yeah. uh, and I and I don't know if what we're about to talk about today is going to make this problem worse. I suspect right. it might, yeah. which is a little frightening as the host for the show because we don't we don't have an agenda on reporting this stuff. We just want to talk about it, and we think it's historically relevant to discuss it and ask questions yeah. and in. And in any point, if anything, like, say, a super, super solid link between some sort of Russia collusion or, or something breaks in the Seth Rich account, uh, murder or something in, 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 in the Sony cyber attack from last year, like right. any story where we get a major break that, that changes the narrative, we will immediately cover it because we have no reason not well, to. Well, I mean, look what's recently happened, and I know we'll talk about it with uh, Seth Rich, right, and, and how that story – has changed so much over the past couple of weeks. Just the week we took off. And, yeah, and, 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 and I know we'll talk Holy about the smokes. Fox retraction yeah, yeah, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, in this time period in our lives, it's a very polarizing thing. Whether you are for Trump or against Trump, you're for Anything. the budget cuts or against it or whatever. I feel like we don't... The best thing about this show is we do not force you to pick any side. All we're trying to do is show you stuff from the mainstream, show you stuff from off mainstream, show you and, and then inject our personal opinions yeah. and really honestly let you decide. And okay. if we're lucky, the longer we've done this show, the more refined we're to get better. <laughs> the more refined we get at it yeah. and the more yeah. in, the more the more we have sort of more and more things to consider, more inputs we have into our consideration the longer we've done this show right. to help us formulate, you know, some reasonable conclusion based on historic, you know, like one of the things about looking at like historic trends and looking at history, that's one of the things I'm a big fan of is when you have a current situation happening, go back and look at how this was handled when when something similar like this was happening in history. Right. And that's, that's why you see a lot of people also doing that with this whole Trump-Russia thing and bringing yeah. up... Uh, um, uh, Nixon and, and Watergate. And so all of it is, it's all fascinating to talk about. And our only intention here is to have a discussion. But you're right. We do seem to be getting a fair amount of pushback from I, what it seems and, to be people that are extremely motivated to try to uh, change the discussion. Or or, or, or to uh, change what they feel is our perceived minds about a subject, too. Mm -hmm. You know, they think, oh, you just hate Trump. You're just piling on. Or, you know, or you, you have a negative tone or a negative bias or whatever. Uh, and because unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to put it, a lot of the, the main outlets, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, the majority of them, and even print media, yeah, there's negative stories about Trump out there right now. It's not that it's intentionally biased. It's sometimes they're just reporting it. It's negative stuff. Yeah, that's you true. Know. You know, it, so I, I found that this is on May 12th. Uh, media Research Center did a 24-hour did a analysis of CNN. And uh, it's kind of interesting what they got. So essentially, CNN in a 24-hour period actually has about 13 hours and change of actual news coverage. The rest is all like pre-programmed stuff um, and paid for advertising. Now, here's what's crazy. In a 13-hour news day for CNN, they dedicated 12 hours and 19 minutes to Trump. Only one hour and eight minutes was dedicated to any other topic. All other news fit within one hour for CNN. Yeah. I mean, it's like they took their formula with the, the lost airplanes and they and just magnified. They it. apply it to everything. Yeah. And so it just is nonstop. And well, the, the, the sad thing about it, sad exclamation mark, sad. is there are a lot of things that are happening in this country that don't revolve around president trump yeah <laughs> and you know the, the, there are loads of things that are happening right now and unfortunately cnn 
just like CNN and other media outlets, are a victim of having to appease themselves to their audience. You know, it's true. And, yeah, and yeah, they're it's adver- working well for MSNBC and CNN. And, and their advertisers as well. Yeah. And so that's why you know we're very fortunate to have our patrons yes. because we don't have to worry about skewing our coverage one way or the other. You guys have already respected how we try to do things. And we are present what is going on over the past week from all outlets, and you guys get a, a, a condensed version of what's happening in yeah. our world. It is. It seems to be uh, like there needs to be podcaster hazard pay when you cover these type <laughs> no of topics. No kidding, because the online the online discussion is just is so dangerous, it's toxic. And now, like, you have to worry about shills and just all kinds of stupid, yeah. crazy stuff. You know what we need, Chase? What do we need, Chris? We need a little cyber insurance. ASL baby. Critical computers at Hollywood Presbyterian shut down in this attack. Give these crooks too much information and they'll drain your bank account it seems every week another hack attack is threatening your personal information now a new tool in the fight against cyber criminals cyber insurance what while Wait. banks and credit card companies typically cover losses if your account is hacked aig nationwide and pure are among a growing number of insurers with cyber policies that may reimburse additional losses like in ransomware uh this isn't new I know. I, I, it isn't particularly new. However, they're expanding the offering, yeah, so we've got to run a no, little native no, ad. No, no, no. People out there who are homeowners, check your homeowner's insurance. A lot of this homeowner's insurance already includes identity theft coverage, which they don't use the word cyber, but yeah, it yeah. is covered. Does so, this feel like uh, like a native ad to you? It feels like the kind of thing that stupid people, sorry, that needs to be reminded about. <laughs> because me. all of you people have this stuff if you're a homeowner. Okay, already. so you got ransomware. They're going to help Hackers yeah? demand money to unlock your data. Cyber insurance provides expert advice. And- oh, my God. So Could they you call, imagine? So, so they call Chris. <laughs> Could you imagine getting expert advice on your uh, cyber situation from your insurance company? Hi, this is Jim from uh, Nationwide, and um, I'm looking for Chris uh, Fisher. Yes. Um, I'm looking for some advice. Uh, we got a user here that's got <laughs> ransomware on their computer. I mean, think about how they're going to do this. Right? Yeah, I know. No kidding. May even cover payments. Ooh. For other breaches, it covers consulting to secure your accounts. So nothing. Else- <laughs> yeah. It's nothing so far. Okay. So helps restore lost data. Ooh. Cyber insurance benefits typically cost about $100 a year, roughly 10 to 15% of your homeowner's insurance premium. There you go. Uh-huh. Why not just get a good backup for half that? You got to back it up and get it back, Chris. Arizona, attorney Martin Galbit discovered his homeowner's insurance included cyber insurance. What? <laughs> what did I say? Oh, my God. After his identity was stolen <laughs> by cyber criminals trying to get his tax refund. It's something beyond, oh, my gosh. It's like, this is a really serious problem. Do you really believe that cyber insurance can protect you from more innovative criminals? No, but they can help you solve the problem. Uh, as it progresses. Some peace of mind, but one that experts say isn't necessarily for everyone. This is really something, though, huh? <laughs> so, there you go, My guys. Great. Go, see, get, go see, get your cyber insurance. See, that that's just one of the many clips that I wouldn't miss if I if I left. I, I would not miss <laughs> that What at about all. a montage? Oh. These leaks are appalling. They need to stop. Leaks endanger national security. It can put assets' lives at risk. Leaks are bad when they jeopardize uh, the sources. What I would be very concerned about, though, is the subsequent releases of class- what appears to be classified information. Leaks of classified sensitive information absolutely against the law shouldn't be tolerated and, frankly, should be investigated and prosecuted. Disclosures are threatening our ability to conduct intelligence and to keep our country safe. These continue to be very, very damaging leaks, and I find them appalling. People are concerned. Can they trust? 
trust us with information? Can they trust us with the intel? And the, the leak issue are things that the committee uh, should look that, at. It. The leak is very disturbing. In investigating the leaks, which I think are a legitimate issue. But when you're entrusted with classified information, you have a fiduciary responsibility to keep that information confidential. Should these leaks be tra- uh, tracked down, criminally prosecuted? Chris? Yeah, I hope you don't get taken down. For oh, we're the gonna, James, but we're yeah. gonna. But, but it was, come on, I had to bring you up, man. I had to give you a little uh, clip there. So you oh, want to talk about good. some leaks? It feels so about, good. I like chickens. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about leaks. Right. Let's talk about not the plumbing kind. <clears throat> oh no, 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 the Seth Rich kind. Oh, oh. Uh, let's talk about this a little bit. So yes. this is this has been a big big topic, and over the last week and change, this story has been really 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 shut down and this clip sort of gives you like a little bit of the momentum behind the shutdown we don't talk about other news networks we don't talk about our competitors because you know it's just it's just kind of gross can you guess what they're about to address they're gonna talk about fox news yeah fox uh, made a retraction a really weird retraction we have it linked in the show notes uh where they just kind of were like we're gonna check on the details of the story and be back with more later <laughs> it wasn't like a like a, a disavowing of the story. It they just was, kind of walked away from it. Yeah, we'll get up. to the Hannity yeah. stuff. There's that's separate. But yeah, yeah, this is they're not talking about the Hannity stuff no. here. They're just talking about um the, the Fox News retraction. But you can really tell when a topic is persona non grata when you can't even say the name of the topic. That's how intense we're trying to shut down discussion. And we're supposed to be talking about things that are bigger than that. But Bob Costa, you've touched on something that requires us to talk about somebody at another network. This is a this is a a party that when it was in the wilderness in the 1970s got its best and brightest together. And they, they created Heritage Foundation. You had, you had people like Bill Bennett. Uh, you had people uh, like Jack Kemp. You had people that were, were, were pushing to make conservatism uh, what Bill Buckley wanted conservatism to be when he started the National Review in the 1950s. Now we are reduced to fake news. Oh, there it is. And Sean Hannity... Uh, 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 ripping the hearts out of parents. There's the shame. Uh oh. For their their son, their, their young. Oh yeah, got to make sure we really twist the knife. And the kids. Get, Get that kids in there. Their son. Their poor son. Think of the kids. Think of the parents. Think of the children. How dare you, you monster! Parents. For their their son, their, their young, gifted son who was shot in the back, and trying to twist that into something that somehow helps Donald Trump, it's gross and it's repulsive. And it's also something that I know about personally. Gross and repulsive. Yeah, you do know about that personally. Mm-hmm. Go look at what happened to Joe's intern. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about that clip we had in the intro. This is also another little hint of that. When getting U.S. persons involved in the campaign or not to work on their behalf, again, either wittingly or unwittingly, he went on to say, I saw an interaction that raised question in my mind as to what was the true nature of it. The, th- that is more than just, uh, you know, the worst part of it. That is what he said over and over again. Again, he, he constant questioning. He was unable to uh, point to any specific evidence, and I think that's what we're. We'll talk more about Brennan's testimony here, but listen to the transition he attempts to make away from the Russia investigation and how fast they try to shut him down. Going to continue to see there, and my fear is our constant focusing on the Russians is uh, 
deflecting away for some other things that we need to be investigating in. There's still some question as to whether the intrusion at the DNC server was an insider job or whether or not it was the Russians. What, no what evidence? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What the insider job? What are you referring to here? Because I hope it's not this information that Fox News just refused to be reporting. Um, what did you just say? The news that Fox News isn't reporting. I refuse to be reporting? Uh, what are you referring to here? Because I hope it's not this information that Fox News just refused to be reporting. Why did Just he... refuse to be reporting. Why didn't he just say, I hope this isn't the Seth Rich story? But you see, they can't even say his they name. They can't even say the, the words. Well, again, there, there, there's stuff circulating on the Internet. My question is, what? why have the circulating federal officials... On the internet? What's, what's circulating on the Internet? What's circulating on the internet that, that you think is worthy of a congressional investigation? Because no, the DC I, I, police are investigating this. It, yeah, they're fine. What's wrong? Why can't the D, isn't the DC isn't the DC police enough for what yeah. might potentially be one of the most important murders? It, it, and so far, they haven't said there's any there there. Yet there it is. The there there that'll come up again. N- yet the DC police nor no federal investigator has ever had a look at the DNC computer. Where oh, I'm glad that made it on the CNN airways one more time. Mm. That's a pretty important. I did you hear what he just said there? Did you hear yeah. what he just said? Yet the DC police nor no federal investigator has ever had a look at the DNC computer. Where oh, relying only on the report of somebody that the DNC contracted to examine their computer, uh, rather than having federal officials. To me, we need to. Let- it's a good question. Feds look at it. Now, uh, the CNN team uh, has a line. Listen, look at, look, at, look at our homeboy there. You see how he is getting a line fed to him right there? Can you, yep. do you see that face? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. your producer talking in your yeah. ear. So they've been tell, they got everybody queued up. She's ready to go. They got, they got the, uh, the new line to go. Congressman, do you think it's responsible to bring up, as a representative of the, Amer- of the American people, to bring up things, in your words, that are swirling on the Internet? And, and, and Listen, give it justification as you know, as if there's a there there when when we know nothing. Is she talking about the Russia collusion or is she talking about Seth Rich? It's so general; it's like almost a softball to see what the uh, you know representative says. I, it almost to me sounds like she's saying, "How dare you speculate about conspiracies on the internet when we should be speculating about Russia?" Listen, the American people to bring up things. Oh, I'm going to go back a little bit further here. Let's look at it. Congressman, do you think it's responsible to bring up... As- do you think it's responsible to bring up... As a representative of the, Amer- of the American people... As a representative you- of the American people... Wow, dude, that's a... See, that's loaded right there. Yeah. That's that's so, fully loaded. See, see when, you, when you do that first part... You're not you're 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 not stealing sticking with facts anymore. You're you're inserting your your feeling. Do you think, Chris, it's responsible with you with that microphone there to talk to all these millions of people? What I mean, that's yeah, what yeah. she's trying to do. Yeah. And it, it yeah. shouldn't be about that. It should just be about the facts. Right. Bring up things in your words that are swirling on the internet. She did that and, in your words. Give it justification as you know, as if there's a there there when when we know nothing on that yet. I I think the same is true with what the media is doing with Trump. We're basing uh, allegations on anonymous sources. Okay, so Uh, do you mean quoting the former CIA director who said, quote, I saw evidence worthy of... She was ready to go. You see that? Uh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're going to get to his quotes, so uh, don't uh, don't let her spoil it for you, because I want to stay on this track for a second. All right. Um, And then then there's my favorite. Then there was my favorite shame session. Oh, Keith. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. Donald Trump's propagandists and apologists... Let's stop right there. So, The Resistance. This is uh, part of Hillary's new super PAC. Now, hold on. To be fair, to be fair, his resistance was called The Resistance before the super PAC was formed. Yeah, I know, I know. And then the second thing is, 
Keith Oberman doesn't sugarcoat it. He's definitely left of the left. He's not trying to be a balanced. Oh, I respect that about him. Okay. Uh, here's the thing I don't like is I don't like his support of the Hillary Clinton establishment. A blind DNC. support. Right. And now this resistance term is being manipulated yeah. in, in a way that's so gross because it's being manipulated by the people that either support the establishment, like Keith himself, or by the establishment, like Hillary herself. So this word resistance now has been perverted to mean support the yeah. establishment. That's how Orwellian we that's, get. Yeah, that's not what that means, by the way. Yeah, but you're right. Absolutely. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. Donald Trump's propagandists and apologists have chosen to defend Trump on Russia by attacking a murdered 27-year-old man and torturing his parents in public, and may they burn in hell for doing so. Is that what's happening? Is that what's happening because Donna Brazil calling the family and harassing them and asking why this private investigator is snooping around last week, that sounds like directly harassing the family. That's what – so when he says – when people are asking and, – and they're not even badgering the family. They're asking what the hell happened to Seth Rich. If you do not know this story, you are lucky. But you should hear it because it underscores yet again the lengths to which those who enabled Trump to seize power in our country will defend that power and him. I have to tell you, Chase, um, we have clips in the uh, supporter sync, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure I can play them on the air because I downloaded these shortly before they were pulled off of YouTube. Oh. They were – so it, video news reports that some local news outlets have done about Seth Rich are getting pulled off of YouTube wholesale. They're oh. just getting completely shut down even though they're just like standard – Here's an update on the investigation. There's no conspiracy bacon. It's just a straight read, and they're getting pulled off of YouTube. Uh, somebody announced on a fairly large Twitter account that another $100,000 had been donated to the fund to find the truth about Seth Rich, and Twitter shut down their entire account. Several tweets have been pulled where people are talking about Seth Rich. just reached right in, shut down. Uh, discussions all over online are getting attacked about Seth Rich. And then immediately, like an iron curtain, the establishment's narrative about even questions Questioning Seth Rich's case at all was a direct attack on the parents simply because a DNC crisis per- spokesperson that wasn't hired by the family released a public statement saying stop for the sake of the family. Stop. Stop. And then they got the family together to write a, to write a piece for, guess what, the Washington Post, surprisingly. It's been, it's been sort of shaking for me to watch this happen because we've been we've been covering Seth's murder for almost a year. It will be a year in July. And when we started covering it, there it was just here's some reasonable questions. There seems to be a lot of connections. Just want to know what's going on. And it explains it explains how WikiLeaks got so many emails. So if just it explains so many things that make so much sense. And as anybody who's ever worked in IT and specifically worked in IT security, you know that so many of the top big leaks come from internal sources. Like anybody who's worked in IT knows that that Sony Pictures leak that I mentioned earlier, <laughs> the one where uh, the uh, uh, Seth Rogen the interview, or, yeah, the interview, yeah, 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 when that where the interview leaked, that wasn't North Korea. It was an inside job. You look at the malware and the URL, the uh, the URI schemes for the network shares are hard coded into some of the code. People were intimately familiar with the network structure of the file shares. It's an inside job. The leak of the DNC. Doesn't it make sense that somebody who was a Bernie supporter, and by the way, uh, also, I don't know, have have you followed some of the things that have people tracked down Seth Rich's uh, Reddit account? 
No. Yeah, he was like it was like Panda Lover or something like that. Okay. And uh, in there, in one of them, he was talking to somebody, and he gives his email address, which is confirmed to be Seth's email address in the comments. Right. Uh, and in there, you can see he's clearly a Bernie supporter. Um, and then after that was discovered, about a day or two after it was discovered, somebody logged into the account and deleted the email line and like the phone number or something like that was in the comments. Ugh. It's like for the people that are getting silenced on Twitter and YouTube and all these other outlets, when do they take it to the next step and have an actual public facing protest? <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm dead serious about it because this is the one thing that's always kind of bugged me about activism in general. Mm-hmm. Is and it, it, it's how either, do you do it when it's such a toxic subject now? Right. It's like this is the like, new pizza you, Yeah. How do you do it? And, and I think what you do is you stick to one subject matter, and you don't have an opinion either way. You say, truth about Seth Rich. Let's talk about it. What's going on? Okay? Yeah, yeah. And not to say that, oh, he had secrets or he didn't have secrets. Let's not enter objection or whatever that word is. And just say, we want to know what happened to this guy who was a family man who was murdered in a dominant uh predominant safe neighborhood in washington yeah. dc yeah 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 okay let's yeah. let's get to the bottom of this yeah and then ask the questions I, well, why is that i could the, see something is, yeah here's, what's I going could, on so here's what here's where i can see this shifting because we need something to shift because right now the discussion has been totally shut down and to get to your point we need more information and so judicial watch which if that name rings a bell and it, it should if you've been listening to the show for a little while they are one of the largest sources of hillary clinton's emails being released during the election. The Clinton campaign and the media will tell you that it was Russia that, quote-unquote, hacked Hillary, or hacked, I guess, Podesta, released their emails to WikiLeaks. But in reality, a ginormous portion of the emails that were released were released via the State Department after freedom of the press inquiries and lawsuits by Judicial Watch. That's where a huge portion of the emails from Hillary came from, not WikiLeaks. It's not talked about anymore. And these same people are now doing a freedom of information request over the murder of Seth Rich. I know a lot of you are asking questions about what Judicial Watch is doing to investigate the controversy surrounding the death of DNC staffer Seth Rich. Well, we filed freedom of information requests to the D.C. Police Department and the D.C. Mayor's Office last week. We have an FBI request pending from last year. And, of course, separately, we are asking questions of the Federal Freedom of Information Act uh, about the DNC hack itself. You can trust Judicial Watch uh, to get to the bottom of this issue, at least ask the questions in a sensible way, and to get the documents directly so that you and the American people can figure out whether or not there needs to be a controversy about this. Uh So I think that goes to your point, Chase, right there. If they get some documents that are... suspicious, then the conversation will change. And if they get documents that sort of settle a few questions, then the conversation will subside. Yeah. I I just I don't like the the silencing and the or the selective silencing, I should say, yeah. on, on some of these companies. Let's let's zoom just, in. It, let's uh, zoom in on one case because it's the one yeah. everybody's heard of yeah. and uh it's the one that's gotten the most attention since we were off the air, and that's Sean Hannity. <clears throat> now your good friend? Oh, you know, Your buddy? like Keith Olbermann, I will give Sean Hannity this. 
He wears his politics right there out for everybody to see on his sleeve. He'll tell you that, in fact, he, in this clip, if you listen, I'm going to play some of it, never calls himself a journalist. He doesn't consider himself a journalist. Oh. Uh, and so I respect that. Is he taking a play out of Alex Jones's playbook? I guess he calls himself like an opinion or a commentator. I can't remember. Uh, entertainer? Yeah. <laughs> um, but what happened recently with Sean Hannity is interesting, despite if you like him or not, because I kind of find him to be a blowhard. I know Noah likes him quite a bit. I generally don't play Sean Hannity clips in the show because I just have a hard time listening to his mouth. But. <laughs> hey, at least you're. You know what? At least you're honest, because some people would just sugarcoat it yeah. and just say, you know, this and, and try not to offend anybody. At but least I, you're honest. I still monitor I still monitor his show yeah. for this show. Yeah. And so I've been watching something. In fact, I, I think I might have I, we might have talked a little bit about offline for weeks now. I've noticed people I've noticed uh, support building um, in this anti Hannity movement online to start going after his advertisers and then it came out that it was being directed and funded by media matters which uh-huh. has been co-funded by some of clinton's the some of clinton's money and by george soros right and so media matters is organizing an anti-hannity campaign to get him off the air he had a couple of advertisers pull out he had one advertiser come back now all because he started talking about the Seth Rich case. Now, they'll tell you it's all these other things. In fact, uh, Media Matters has like 21 reasons why Sean Hannity has to go. But So they'll tell you there's all of these reasons. But the true, the true reason is it's because he started talking about Seth Rich on Fox News and he gets good ratings. And here's the problem. Here's why all of this matters. And this is Chris's conjecture from this point forward. But it makes sense to me. Fundamentally, the Democrats cannot afford to lose the midterms. The Democrats cannot afford to lose, period. This Russia discussion prevents analysis on the true loss and reason that the Democrats lost the election. I'll have more on that in the overtime. But it also completely erodes the public's trust in the Trump administration, which damages the Republicans. It makes the Democrats look good, especially as they lead the charge. This is extremely important for midterms. This Russia narrative is essentially the only way they're going to win because the people aren't electing them otherwise. They just simply have to make the Republicans so unelectable that they get elected. Because the truth of the matter is they're all a bunch of corporate establishment Democrats now and the people know it. So they need another motivation. So they need this Russia investigation. They need this thing to last for a couple of years. It's really got to grind this thing down. And the problem is, if Seth Rich is identified as the leaker, if there is a laptop of Seth Rich's out there that has emails that show he was the WikiLeaks supplier, so many dominoes begin to fall in the Russia narrative. And the Democrats' chance to win the midterms begins to crumble. And the political capital that Donald Trump would walk away from would be monumentous. It would give him unbelievable political power if he was if this entire Russia investigation were to fall apart because it was discovered that Seth Rich was murdered and he was the source of the emails. So every stop must be pulled out. 
to prevent this story from getting further discussion. His name must not be mentioned on air. Sean Hannity's advertisers, and they successfully got him to stop talking about it. He said he's not going to talk about it anymore out of respect for the family. They, they were I, successful in shutting down discussion. I wouldn't go fully out and say that the midterms and everything else that is going on all hinges on the fa- on on the russia narrative i think it's a, a major component sure sure totally okay. okay but there are other aspects of the trump presidency thus far that could still uh bring down republicans at midterm time and i mean you could <laughs> Point to any one of the tweets, <laughs> yeah. and 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 point to the Comey firing, and, and point to other things that have occurred during the presidencies thus far. Yeah, I agree with you. If, if if it comes out to the fact, and we all are, you know, we all believe to be true that you know Seth Rich had some information that leaked. If that came out, and that information came out, yeah, that's a huge blow. But I I don't think it's enough though to overturn some losses that are going to occur on the Republican side during midterms just because of all the other things that Trump has done, you know, with health care, uh, with tweets, with w- what has happened I at agree. G7. That's why so I, many things. I, I don't think it's a I don't I like all great things that motivate a large selection of a group. Yeah, it's it's multi pronged. It's totally. it's about the midterms. It's also about preventing further analysis of the Democratic Party. It's about preventing discussion about why the hell Nancy Pelosi is the leader of that party. It's about preventing discussion about the Clinton Foundation. I agree with that. Absolutely. It's, it's about yeah. it's about allowing the Clintons to ha- still have political influence and power so they can launch their super PAC. And it's a it's about minimizing Hillary's responsibility for hosting her own email server and emailing around classified information. And it's about minimizing the DNC's collaboration with the Clinton campaign to steamroll Bernie Sanders. It's about all of these things. Oh, yeah. And so at each level of the establishment, there's people that have interest in pushing this narrative. Yeah. And so they all speak with unity because they're all trying to cover their ass. And uh, I have some amazing Hillary Clinton clips in the overtime that discuss why the DNC was likely all in for Hillary. And surprise, surprise, it has to do with money. Now, there are other Democrats or DNC, the, 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 the core DNC staffers that were involved at the heart of these controversies are still scurrying around doing the dirty work. And it's really remarkable to see. Now, we don't have any audio. I don't believe at this point. But if you see it, please let me know of Donna Brazil's phone call. But Donna Brazil reportedly called the family, the Seth Rich family, to harass them what? about this private investigator that they hired. And then that was what led to them writing the Washington Post piece. Um, So she's running around tidying this business up. On the other end of things, your buddy. My good friend. Debbie Wasserman Ah, Schultz. DWS. Who uh, is a longtime Clinton ally. And And a longtime friend. And uh, the head of the DNC when they were at their most corrupt. She's running around not only being a terror. But uh, she's threatening this police chief over a laptop that is the linchpin in a massive story. It, it's, I guess I, or the, I, what I should probably say is the tip of the iceberg of what is one of the biggest stories in a long time. It's the Alwaki brothers. And we've talked about it once before on this show. A couple of brothers, I believe from Pakistan, who are wanted for investigation of stealing 
large amounts of data from the DNC mm. and from congressmen. Oh. And after they were fired, before they were put under investigation, Debbie Wasserman Schultz hired them up, gave them some housing. It's an extremely interesting story. We've covered it once on the show before, but I encourage you to look into the Alwaki brothers. So we're about to get into this laptop that this police chief is holding on to for part of this investigation. And she wants it back badly. And she's pissed. And she's about to threaten him. But before we get there, listen to how she opens up. So the official reason she's here is not to threaten him about this laptop, but to grill him about his progress on diversity. What about diversity? Mm-hmm. There really has been a challenge that the Capitol Police has faced systemically with diversity. Um, diversity in your leadership, diversity in mm-hmm. recruitment. Uh, how are you focusing in on improving that? And, um, I mean... I don't mean any disrespect, but it's hard to take your word for it. Uh, as you said, you're not – you're in leadership now. You're you know, you're a white male. Um, so she – so that's not – I don't really want to play the stuff about diversity. Uh, but as the uh, discussion about diversity is wrapping up, she gets to why she's really here. This laptop they're holding is one of the Alwaki brothers' laptops. Of course, the DNC bought these laptops for the Alwaki brothers. Yes, the ones that were stealing information from Congress members. They were using equipment paid for by the DNC. And uh, when the Alwaki brothers had to get out of town, they left a laptop behind that the D.C. police got their hands on. And they're holding it for investigation. And she's pissed about it. And that's really why she's here. Look at all of the, the aspects of promotion that we should and I think that we... Let me are, jump ahead. You her. can hear Do you hear her sign in the background? Like, yeah. shut up, man. Shut up. So here we go. Changes in diversity without a specific written plan on how to accomplish it. And so um, are you planning... Oh, sorry. I think it's... Hold on. So it's a long clip, but here we go. How Capitol Police handle um, equipment that belongs to a member or a staffer that's been lost within the Capitol complex and found or recovered by one of your officers. So their line is the Alwaki brothers lost this laptop, this DNC-owned laptop. They quote-unquote lost it. Of course, they were using it, and they had to abandon an office they were working in, and they left it behind because they were in the middle of committing a crime, but that's, that's, that's not relevant. What happens? Sure. Well, it's processed on, a, on, a, on a, what's called a PD-81, which is a, which is a, uh, a, a property record. And depending on the property, depending on how it's, if you can legitimately uh, determine ownership, then uh, it's generally turned back over to the, to the owner of the property. If there's, if, if it's part of uh, of an ongoing case, then there are other things that have to occur for that. To happen. So if it's part of an ongoing case, that's he's trying to tell her that it's part of an investigation that he can't talk about. That's what he's trying to say, but she won't have. He's just giving you, a, yeah, he's giving her an example of yeah. why he would. Potentially not. I can't turn over. say this is why, but if there was a reason, it would potentially be because. It's like, look at this writing on the wall. I can't tell you not to read it, but you should read it. Says that they have equipment that's been lost, and you find it, it would be returned to the member. In the general sense, yes. Okay. It has to, you have to identify. You have to be able to positively identify the property and be able to establish ownership. Right. So she grills him for uh, another four minutes here, just back and forth, back and forth. It's not associated with any case, and that is their equipment. It is supposed to be returned, yes or no. This is, I've jumped ahead now, like three minutes. Depends on the circumstances, uh, and if the circumstances are... I, I don't understand how that's possible. Members' equipment is members' equipment. It is not, it is not, it, under my understanding, the Capitol Police is not able to confiscate members' equipment when the member 
is not under investigation. She wants that laptop back badly. It is their equipment, and it's supposed to be returned. I say return it, but make sure you run Clonezilla on it first. <laughs> well, I think there's extenuating circumstances in this case. and He's obviously trying to make it clear in a public setting what's going on here, but she's not having it. I think, I think that, you know, working through my counsel and... She's talked to a lawyer about this because she's been, she's been badgering him in private. Um, you know, the necessary personnel, if, if that in fact is the case, and with the permission of, through the investigation, then we'll return the equipment. But until that's accomplished, I can't return the equipment. I think you're violating the rules when you when you conduct your business that way, and should expect that there would be consequences. I yield back. There will be consequences. That's exactly what she what just said. What the hell, Debbie? That's exactly what Don't she just said. Don't be threatening. I mean, seriously, stick to the rule of law, okay? Seriously. And expect that there would be consequences. You know, like two shots to the back. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that by pop the, in there, but by ooh. the way, if uh, you're in the supporter sync, I have a press conference from Seth Rich's parents uh, in November 21st, 2016, um, which if you think we shouldn't be talking about Seth Rich's murder, I encourage you to watch that press conference. It's the full thing is uh, in the supporter sync and um, it's in uh, the Seth Rich folder. Oh. Yeah, Man. so Sean Hannity's back on the air, and he's not talking about Seth Rich. Oh, you mean he wasn't on a permanent vacation? And I don't think we'll probably have much to say either, because they've really shut down the story. It's pretty much, unless something breaks, it's pretty much yeah, shut down. Maybe, and, yeah. maybe Judicial Watch will have something. But in the meantime, there has been a big revelation in the Russia investigation. The intelligence community is, quote-unquote, interested in Kushner now. The high-stakes are on the horizon, no doubt about it. This revelation that Jared Kushner was in communication with Russian officials, the ambassador and a Russian banker, is huge. And the FBI wants to know some basic things. Why was it urgent to have that meeting? Why was there a discussion of having these back channels? And again, the context is that this is after the intelligence community has said the Russians were meddling in the 2016 election. Lots of questions. There's no allegation yet that Lots of questions, lots of questions, but it does seem like there might have been a back channel with a banker. He is Sergei Gorkov, handpicked by Russian President Vladimir Putin Woo! to run Russia's state bank, the Venezhikana Bank, nicknamed the Veb. This Russian banker was trained by Russia's spy agency, the FSB. Gorkov's bank, Veb, was embroiled in an FBI spying investigation. One of its own employees here in the U.S. accused of illegally gathering intelligence for the Russian government. And the bank paid for that person's defense. It is the same bank that has bailed out Russian oligarchs and has been under U.S. sanctions for nearly three years, punishment for Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This is the bank and the banker Jared Kushner met with in December and then errantly forgot to mention oh. when disclosing his personal contacts with foreign officials. Uh-oh. Kushner's secret Russian meeting may be more fuel for the Russian Trump conspiracy theorists or just the mistake of a person with little international diplomatic experience. It's interesting that he called them conspiracy theorists. Uh-huh. That's interesting. I hadn't caught that the first time I listened to that clip. Uh, And, of course, the White House is pushing back, pushing back. To share with Congress what he knows about these meetings. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer suggested Jared Kushner's status as a person of interest in the FBI investigation into possible Russian collusion with the Trump campaign remains unknown. Your question assumes there's a lot of facts that are not substantiated by anything but um, anonymous 
uh, sources. CBS News confirmed last week that Kushner, the president's son-in-law, is part of the FBI probe. Spicer would not discuss conversations between Kushner and Russian officials about establishing a back-channel system for communications. He also denied the president was involved. I don't really, I don't really find the idea that diplomats might set up a back-channel communications to be too unusual, but it does seem suspicious. You know what else is, is mm. suspicious is uh, Michael Flynn invoking the fifth. Yeah. Tonight, Austin National Security Advisor Michael Flynn facing new fire. According to this letter from the top Democrat on the House Oversight Committee, Flynn appears to have lied to security clearance investigators by telling them he was paid by U.S. companies when he attended this 2015 gala with Russian President Vladimir Putin. In fact, the Moscow trip was financed by Russian state media. (gasps) RT. Flynn now planning to plead the fifth, invoking his right against self-incrimination after a Senate subpoena for personal documents in its Russia investigation. A source close to Flynn telling NBC News it would be highly imprudent to comply. I don't think there is any way that somebody who is this high up in the food chain... This is a former Watergate prosecutor. Isn't that funny who they go to? Tells you what's in the back of their minds. Uh, Is going to be granted immunity at this point in time. President Trump during the campaign mocked those who have refused to testify. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did actually. Yeah. He, if anybody has to take, I'm paraphrasing. If anybody has to take the Fifth Amendment, you know, you're probably guilty. So this Kushner story to me feels a little flat. To be honest with you, the Flynn stuff is still kind of interesting to me, and I think where there's some meat on the bone. Uh, I thought, you know, this this uh, John Brennan, he sits down, and I thought, okay, now we're going to get some answers. Former director of the CIA. Somebody who's really following all of this stuff. Like, we're going to get some answers. And so uh, I thought, okay, I'll watch the entire thing. I'll watch the entire thing and I'll pull out the the good stuff. The juicy bits. Well, I ended up with two clips. That's it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is... uh, this is funny because, you know, the media is constantly the media. I love that term. I wish I had a better term. I, I like the establishment. Uh, I, I, you know, I need some sort of term that like that like separates out like honest journalists doing good reporting and the people who are trading favors for access. Like there is a there is a layer of the media where they trade access and favors constantly and so they will do your they'll parrot your line to continue to get access to you and so they make deals and then there's people in the media who are legitimately good people doing honest work and it we need a term that that separates the two right because it just everybody gets lumped in and i think it's so anyways if anybody has any suggestions in the chat room or on twitter let me know but anyways I thought some of this would get covered a little more because the media is constantly citing evidence by former and unnamed intelligence officials. And they're constantly citing this evidence, right? The evidence is always – it's anonymously sourced, but this evidence is strong, right? Yeah, makes sense. So John Brennan was asked about some of that evidence. Question at hand. In your experience with the Russian trying to involve themselves in our election, did you ever find any evidence as the ranking member spoke of collusion while you were the director? Did you find direct evidence? And, you know, we've heard 17 intelligence agencies found evidence, right? So this, yeah. I think, is this is uh, Representative uh, Tom Rooney uh, from Florida. And I thought this was a great question. Of collusion between the Trump campaign and Putin in Moscow while you were there. <clears throat> Mr. Rooney, I, 
I never was an FBI agent. I never was a prosecutor. So I really don't do evidence. I do intelligence throughout the course of my of my career. Oh, so he doesn't do evidence. He doesn't. He doesn't do evidence. So all the evidence. Oh, it's intelligence. And I, the reason why I, I I make that distinction is I think it's actually extremely important to understand what the media, quote unquote, is actually citing is intelligence reporting, not evidence. But they're presenting it as if it's anonymous evidence. But what it really is, is anonymous intelligence, which can play a role in leading you to evidence, but it is not evidence in itself. And it gets more clear when and Trey Gowdy uh, follows up on this and, you know, says, let's stop playing semantics here. That's what I do. That's the word we use. You use the word assessment. You use the word tradecraft. I use the word evidence. Um, and the good news for me is lots of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle use the word evidence, too. Um, one of my colleagues <laughs> said there is more than circumstantial evidence of collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign. Now, uh, there are only two types of evidence. There's circumstantial and direct. So if it's more than circumstantial, by necessity, it has to be direct. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of one of my colleagues on the other side of this very committee. Another Democrat colleague on the other side of this committee also used the word evidence, that he has seen evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians. And yet a third California Democrat Feinstein. said she had seen no evidence of collusion. So that's three different members of Congress from the same state using the same word, which is evidence. And that's the word that my fellow citizens understand, evidence. Uh, assessment is is your vernacular. Tradecraft is your vernacular. And I actually think part of the issue we have right now— I agree with what he's saying there. <laughs> right, is the yeah. reporting is is using the language that the people use, yeah. and the intelligence agencies are using the language that the intelligence agencies use. Right. It, it's, like, it's like saying—now, I know this, this is not uh, appropriate for this show, but let's say you started throwing down Linux vernacular, and you know I'm a person who downloads the show not expecting to hear that— I'm not going to know what the hell you're saying. Right. And, you know, so that's why they talk in those terms. Makes sense. But for the NSA and the CIA and the it's like, no, don't talk in vernacular. Talk in everybody common speak. You and I both know what the word evidence means. And we're not getting into whether or not you corroborated, contradicted, examined, cross-examined. We're not getting into how you tested and probed the reliability of that evidence. It's a really simple question. Did evidence exist of collusion, coordination, conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russian state actors at the time you learned of 2016 efforts? All right. So this is the most direct he's going to get. So we have to parse a little bit. Yeah, he's trying to get direct as he can without being dick about it. <laughs> and and Brendan's only going to give so much. So yeah. you're gonna, there's parsing that will be required here. I encountered and I'm aware of information and intelligence that um, revealed contacts and interactions between... Information and intelligence that revealed contacts. Russian officials and U.S. persons involved in the uh, Trump campaign. Involved. That... Um, <clears throat> I was concerned about because of known Russian efforts to suborn such individuals, and it uh, raised questions in my mind, again, whether or not the Russians were able to gain the cooperation of those individuals. I don't know. So he's saying that there was some intelligence that would suggest that Russia was trying to gain some influence with people involved with Trump's campaign. Now, he's not saying Trump himself. That's interesting. Whether or not 
such collusion, that's your term, such collusion existed, I don't know. But I know that there was a sufficient basis of information and intelligence that required further uh, investigation by the Bureau to determine whether or not U.S. persons were actively conspiring, colluding with Russian officials. You know what else he was asked is, uh, are there other countries that uh, try to meddle in our election? And the answer was yes. Essentially, it's probably a slam dunk, no duh, obvious that Russia was trying to influence the election either through RT or through maybe funding a super PAC uh, through a shell corporation. Like this is something that is extremely relevant to their own national interest. And a lot of, com- you know, China is another one. Bill Clinton, when he was elected, was really engulfed in controversy around donations from a Chinese businessman. It's it, it really remember earlier in the show I said I like to go yeah. back and look at historical parallels. It's a real historical parallel here, uh, where the China was the big boogeyman, and Bill Clinton having ties to this Chinese businessman who had obvious was trying to obviously hide his donations became a huge controversy. And it's not necessarily unusual for even companies like Mexico or Canada companies <laughs> for countries like Mexico or Canada to want to have some sort of influence over our election because it greatly involves their interests as well. Oh, yeah. Look at our trade partners. So it's almost a slam dunk. If you dig hard enough, you will find some level of meddling. So it's safe to say there must have been meddling. What what, What remains to be answered is how involved were those members of the Trump campaign and were they upper ones like, say, Jared Kushner I, or Michael Flynn? I tell you this, you know, as an American first, Chris. This Michael Flynn went to me. It's pretty weak, man. If the big payment he got was he got paid by RT to go to a gala, that is some weak well, sauce. Well, I think Flynn or his attorney said, I think I want to say today, uh, this morning, that he said that he will, like, give some information. Like, I don't know what that's going to entail yet. But you see what I'm saying? Like if yeah. this, if Michael Flynn is one of the big smoking guns here, yeah. and what it is is RT paid for him to go there. Yeah. Well, a, a, a bank directly tied to Putin also paid five hundred million dollars to the Clintons. Right. Like there's yeah. there's yeah. give and takes on both sides. Oh yeah, like, and, and we were hearing about uh, Russia involvement with Clinton for for how long? Yeah, sure. With the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so what I was going to say is, you know, I'm okay honestly uh, with them not telling me the the real legal in the definition of the word evidence uh, until if if they so choose, if this real evidence does exist. When I say real, I mean like legal, like something that will hold to a fire in a court of law um, that the FBI presents. Other than that, we have to wait for that special investigation to conclude. All this is just fluff to uh, pad the uh, TV ratings on C-SPAN 3. It does seem to me that it's it really is about what 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 everybody has landed on is it doesn't matter if there is any real fire behind that smoke if you can keep a story rolling. Oh, yeah. And so they they introduce players. It's almost like a reality show. Like Kushner gets introduced, and then about two months later, Kushner is all of a sudden a source of interest. Right. He's not under investigation. Right. He's a source of interest. Right. Uh, and, and then, you know, we, so, we, so we, we, we played through the Bannon character for a while and the yeah. Rance Priebus characters. And now we're on to the other set of characters. We're on to the daughter. We've been talking a lot. Not we, but the general uh, chattering class. Oh, did you hear about We've been the... talking about Melania's outfits and his Trump, you know, Trump's, the little weird handshakes he about, has. Uh, and, I don't know if you heard about the Ivanka story where uh, I think it was like a two or three the people. The Instagram thing? No, no. Two or three. Uh, 
Uh, people are investigating her, the factories of where her shoes, I believe, are made. Yeah, in, I think it's because of a post on Instagram. Oh, I didn't know if it yeah. was because of that. But yeah. the three people are now missing. Uh, you know, uh, I think it was Amnesty International was doing some research to find out hmm. what happened to these people. Hmm. So, you know, yeah, that there's other things happening, but it's like but my favorite, they're, they're hopping around. It's it's like we just have like this. We have like a cast yeah. of characters yeah. that they that they rotate through to keep the story going. Uh, and I, someone should do a Family Matters intro. Yeah, and just put all the pictures and people yeah. smiling. Yeah, like an eighties intro. Yeah, eighties intro. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the casts. Members that got the most attention while we were off last week was uh, everybody's lovable uh, sheriff of the town, James Comey. According to a memo Comey wrote to his own files in February, President Trump suggested that Comey should end any FBI investigation of whether Michael Flynn lied to the FBI when he denied meeting with Russia's ambassador to the U.S. According to the memo, the president made his comment the day after Flynn stepped down as national security advisor. I hope you can let this go, the president said, according to the memo. He is a good guy. The president told Lester Holt last week that he had high regard for Flynn. This man has served for many years. He's a general. He's, in my opinion, a very good person. The White House says this account, first reported by The New York Times and confirmed by former associates of Comey's, is incorrect. Quote, the president has never asked Mr. Comey or anyone else to end any investigation. No, he said, I hope you can see your way to just, you know, letting this thing go. Which is a little, uh, a little bit like asking him to, st- to drop the investigation. Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of like saying, "Hey, you know, it'd be great if you I could mean, do me a favor here." And th- and this is why, in my mind, something big is happening when you have the president of the United States going, "Hey, can you let this know. go?" I mean, I don't. And then all know. of a sudden, he do gets fired, and then he no, but then he uses the the lame excuse, "Oh, I, he's getting fired because of the lack of, oh, he he's lost confidence in his in in." You know, in his team, and well, his team came out and said, "What are you talking about? We didn't lose confidence in him." Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. The fact I'll tell you, There's just, some just as an stuff. aside, to answer yeah. your so to answer your question, yeah, it, be, you know, is there maybe something there because he's asking, you know, hey, drop this investigation. Could you shut this thing down? Maybe the, is could that mean there's something there? I want to set that aside for just a second because yeah. I think we should talk about that more. Yeah. But to your other point, where he's trashing Kami. Uh, I'm not. I'm not Kami's biggest fan, and I think you know some of the shit he said I mean, about yeah, encryption. I'm not huge either, and the crap with the iPhone investigation. Right. Um, but but the timing of the termination and the, he is blew very the Clinton investigation. Yeah. Uh, but all of that said, all of that said, I thought it was extremely low class of Donald Trump to be out there just shitting on Comey for days after the firing, calling him a nut job. Of course, that got leaked out, but then doubling down what on it. What about the tapes, Chris? <clears throat> what about the, I'm sorry, that was awkward. quote, yeah. quote, tapes? But just like yeah. then constantly saying that he, you know, he wasn't good at his job and that the FBI was a mess and all these things. It just seemed like really unnecessary uh, political shitting that didn't need to happen and no, seemed it extremely disrespectful of the position. And who the hell would want to go in there and replace Comey, whereas if things go bad, you know that your future is Donald Trump shitting all over you in public. Like, who wants that job? I would want that job. Well, I think there's an opening to be a communications director, right? Yeah, right, yeah. 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 Uh, but let's go back to your other question. The yeah. first question is maybe maybe this says that there is something there. In fact, it wasn't just Kami that he asked to uh, let the Flynn thing go. Rumor has it, where these rumors come from, I don't know, but rumor has it that he also asked the intelligence chiefs to, you know, 
push back on this whole Russia probe thing. And again today, it was the Washington Post that was out with another bombshell report. Quoting from the Washington Post headline tonight, quote, Trump asked intelligence chiefs to push back against FBI collusion probe after Comey revealed its existence. This report says back in March, quote, Trump made separate appeals to the director of national intelligence, former Senator Dan Coats, and to Admiral Michael S. Rogers, the director of the National Security Agency, urging them to publicly deny the existence of any evidence of collusion during the 2016 election. Now, he just used the word evidence there. Uh, Again, is it evidence or is it intelligence? Because what they're getting is leaks of intelligence, not evidence. There's been no evidence. And so if I'm Donald Trump, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm thinking two things, really. I'm thinking, I know this Russia story is bullshit. This is a bullshit story. And I'm I'm the greatest president there's ever been. I've done more in my first hundred days than most guys did in their whole terms. I am making America great again. And all the corrupt fake media is doing is they're just talking about Russia, Russia, Russia. This is a bullshit story and we need to shut this thing down. That's his thought number one, right? Mm. And then thought number two is, because he just loves himself so much, I'm a nice guy. I'm a personable guy. And, you know, in business, this works so well for me. I'm just going to, you know. I'm just going to have a conversation with yeah, these guys. good idea. I'll walk up and just say, hey, you know, it'd be really nice if you could just let this thing go. Because probably in the corporate world, you're, you're probably going to want to do Donald Trump a favor, especially if, if you're, yeah. you know, working the Trump corporation. Yeah. So, you know, he goes down to people that work for him, essentially, and he says, hey, I'd like you to do me a favor. I mean, he's not saying these words. Hey, but I'd like you to do me a favor. The implication right. is I would like a favor. Yeah. And if you do me this favor, then you're going to be in my good list. These are the people I don't shit about publicly. You're going to be on my good list. These are the people I praise, like Pence. I'm always praising these people. So my theory is he thinks he's such a personable guy. He thinks, you know, I'm going to ask for a little favor, but I'm going to be cute about how I ask for it. So I'm not really asking. And I know there's no but he there. He shouldn't there. even be asking it at all. But he wants people talking about how great he is, not about Russia. Everybody needs to be talking about how great but, his international but trip you don't was. Do it that we way. We should be talking about how great his speeches are. We, whatever he thinks is great. I don't know what that man thinks is great. Yeah. But I can I can tell you this. He's yeah. I think he is personally extremely frustrated. This would be my guess. I'm totally guessing here. Right. Very frustrated. The media talks about Russia over and the fake news talks about Russia over and over again, and doesn't talk about his quote unquote accomplishments. And so. He goes to these guys and says, look, if you guys come out publicly and you shut this thing down, because there is no evidence. There's some intelligence that loosely suggests, but there is no evidence. And so if you just come out and say, we don't have evidence, you do me a big favor. I got to imagine that's it. Man. But, I mean, he must have felt like, obviously, we'll never, I mean, we we know what, this leaked memo says we won't obviously know word for word, you know, unless these tapes, quote unquote, get released of what transpired in that meeting. Uh, but that being said, I mean, I, I still feel that irregardless of the of the story or the subject matter at hand, I think it's inappropriate, even though I know Donald Trump, our president, has, you know, wants to have winning points uh, to be able to show his supporters that, hey, he is winning and he's and he feels that this is a, a distraction. But at the same time, if there's nothing, it's like the whole due process situation. If you haven't done anything wrong, and there isn't a good thing going on here, 
it will go away naturally. Would it? Just, or well, is, I, I think it would. I really think it would. But would it, some of those actions are just weird. Would it? Would it though? I mean, DC. Let's just let's accept the Russian thing would go away and something would but, replace but, it. No, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking because uh, I'm think I'm thinking because unquestionably Russia likely did meddle at some degree in the election, and Russia probably did try to buy off some politicians. They're they're. If you dig, and if your job, like your Mueller, and your job is to find the there that's there, the there there, you know, just like the Monica, just like how the Milana, M- the Monica, Mo- Monica Lewinsky, just like that started as one thing and then turned into a completely separate thing by the end. I mean, it didn't start about it didn't start with Bill Clinton getting his dicks up. No, it didn't. And it, the whole like once that investigation process starts, their job is to find something. And DC is corrupt enough. And it, here's the other problem. Yeah, that's true. Here's the here's Donald Trump's biggest problem. It's not the Democrats. It's the corporatist Republicans that are also against Trump. Your your McCain's, your Lindsey Graham's, and they're working with your Feinstein's and your Nancy mm. Pelosi's and your Chuck Schumer's. They're working together against Trump. So DC is stacked against him. The establishment DC Republicans and Democrats don't like Donald well, Trump. Well that was that was the whole mode of him, you know, becoming the president was to be the anti establishment, to be the non politician, to be the the refreshing voice of the common person. And I there. think in some ways that's that why Trump has been desperately moving more and more and more to the right to try to appease uh, some of these establishment Republicans, and since Trump has been speaking positively about NATO, and since Trump's little international tour, yeah. there have been some establishment Republicans coming out a little more favorable. Like but, uh, Donald Rumsfeld came out on the View recently and defended him, and, and John McCain has dialed back his criticism. But his core issue is he's got Democrats like Adam Schiff, and he's got Republicans like McCain that are two of your best friends, really great friends, yeah. and. Stacked against him, yeah, and so he's got he's got he's got no guarantee no. that this investigation won't find something that's completely horseshit. No, no, I get it. I know his back's against the wall, and you know, and I also understand that both sides in in Washington D.C. Uh, <laughs> there's very corrupt individuals back there, uh, but at the same time, as a leader. There, there are different, I think, ways of, of handling it, the situation. Uh, and I know that he's trying to appease to his base, but at the same time, he's starting to also piss off his base. I mean, the, the real hardcore people that put him into office, they, they ignore, a lot of them ignore uh, what uh, you know, left-stream media is and the right-stream, and, and they just go off of his tweets and they go off of what he says on, on, on news clips and stuff, and they even don't like how he's handling things. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. he... Once he took the office, it shouldn't be about him anymore. And I know we've seen previous presidents, Obama, Clinton, Bush, all try to make it about them in some shape or fashion. But, man, it really feels like to me, as just an outside guy looking in, that it's more about him than anything. More than party, more than the, the the, and more more about him and his companies and how it can be profitable. Um and that's where I don't know. You can't change a person and how they are. He is ingrained in who he is. But to get back full circle on this, the way he handled it in, in the situation of, of a potential investigation, should, I mean, there are ways of asking that question to not ask it directly you know to the director. It, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like somebody who um, is a rookie and has probably some self control issues. And I think these tweets represent that. Oh yeah. 
And I think his his st- stepping over the line and asking these, if the memo is true, right. uh, are indications of him probably, and his comments about like grabbing him by the pussy and stuff like that. That's all, it's all, it's all, it all fits a narrative it's all cumulative. Of, of maybe he has some self-control issues. And also, yeah. you know, his entirely gold penthouse in the Trump Tower would also sort of You, you got to realize something, Chris. You know, he struggled to, to borrow that money from his dad and start his business, you know, and, th- and that's something that a lot of us can't say that we had that uh, opportunity. <laughs> I, uh, I think every little tiny thing explodes now for Donald Trump. <laughs> everything. 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 Um, you mean like a, like a know, typo, mis- mistyped tweet? A typo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that something. In fact, <clears throat> this is an example of how this stuff just gets completely blown out. Uh, one MSNBC host, which I think I have linked in the show notes, compared this to well, what if, what if this was a, what if this started, what if this started a war? What if a tweet started a war? And she really just, but I thought maybe your buddy, my good friend, Joe Scarborough. Oh, uh, Joe, we take a moment with Joe here. I think the president's tweet speaks country. for themselves. I think the tweet speaks for itself. I don't think sometimes you don't have to read too much into it. He's simply stated a fact. The tweet speaks for itself. Uh, I'm moving on. I think what I just said speaks for itself. White House Speaks press secretary's tactic over the past few months when asked to defend a questionable Trump, a questionable Trump tweet. So I'm wondering what his explanation is going to be this morning. This is a typo. Like, if Twitter, yeah. if Twitter ever needed well, a reason why they should add an edit function, this is it. Well, it's not just a typo. It was the fact that the typo was left up. Well, no, it was a typo, and he hit submit right after it. Yeah, because he was in the middle of typing his tweet it's, when it, yeah, when it got su- submitted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I actually I don't believe Twitter should have an edit function you at all. All right, well, hold on. Let me play a little more of their uh, freakout. You just correct the tweet. Odd tweet that the president put out last night because apparently it speaks for itself. Yeah, so, hey. guys, <laughs> no, let no, the no, story. No. Let's a, not get ahead of our skis now. We're not getting ahead of our skis. Uh, but- Cafefe, if you watch any of the Star Wars movies, and uh, Nick is a, a big... I have some fun with it. Uh, I can't, I'm already sick of it. No, I this mean... This whole thing is... It's, it's, it's been yeah. a discussion point all day. No, it is, and because it's a... And by it's the an way... It's thing to happen. What, what they didn't talk about, or maybe they did, I don't know, uh, but the president did tweet about it, about his mistake. It was funny, I thought. And he actually engaged it. And you know what? That brief moment, I said to myself, wow, he's acting like a human for once. Because yeah. I feel, you know, we have all made that mistake where we put something on social media and make the mistake. You know where this leads, though? What's this that? leads to the question, are we going to restrict Trump's tweets? I guess, I guess, did you hear this story that the staff, like, hustled around to try to make sure that he was too busy to tweet? Here's the story. <laughs> Whatever else I don't you know if take it's away from the president's right. first overseas trip. The media really didn't want to give him any credit. The trip went pretty well. I mean, there were some awkward moments where, like, he shoved that one guy out of the way. Uh, you know the guy that Clinton bombed. You mean the prime minister was it Moldova or something no, like I that? Thought it was. He was a prime minister. Okay, he was. Yeah. I remember. I was just like, and by the way, I watched it a few times, and, and it's people so said, "Great man." It, it's, it, it's. It's. I'm it's sorry. So in my opinion, he was trying to get to the front. Of course he was. Yes. Come on, people. But and then the whole. Ja- I think on. I would bet that there is probably a place for people to stand. Like I bet you that's. All prearranged. All that photo stuff is very coordinated. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. yeah. So they don't. But they don't. They don't really want to give him any credit for a semi-successful trip. And uh, he even won. Like, did you know he won? This is a, this is an odd one. Maybe he's glad this isn't getting much attention. Uh, he won Saudi Arabia's highest civilian honor. Oh yeah, that was the the <laughs> yeah. first day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, anyways, uh, but we're not going to talk about that. Instead, no. we're going to talk about his tweeting. Whatever else we take away from the president's first overseas trip, and it's had its moments, uh-huh. the news organization Axios reports today there's a reason we haven't been talking about the president's Twitter feed. The piece says Trump's staff has been endeavoring to, quote, load up his schedule to keep him from getting worked up watching cable coverage, which often precipitates his tweets. Do you buy this story? And and that's a hell of a thing for a staff member to let out. That's a hell of a thing to undermine the president. I mean, but I, I think it's probably true. I kind of buy it. He does seem to tweet about uh, cable news. He does. Yeah. I mean, he's a very uh, addicted to television, and we all know he loves Fox and Friends. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he loves that Clayton Morris. He likes uh, waking up with him in the morning. Mr. Chase. Yes, Mr. Chris. You know what time it is? It's time to open the sack? For, yeah. Oh, let's go into Chase's lab sack. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, you too can be a part of Chase's sack by heading over to patreon.com slash unfilter and joining Club 33. As of the recording, I believe we had one or two spots open. So if you want to yeah. jump in the sack, jump on in. Now, we had some... Uh, patreon.com slash Patreon.com slash unfilter. You know, before you get to the sack... Yeah, buddy. Uh, can I pre-toss a topic for next you week? You can pre-toss a topic. Now, you and I would have to talk about this more, so this is not a commitment okay. on behalf of Unfilter. But I am thinking, I've been thinking about our workflow recently. Uh-huh. And you so know, something happens with this show where we do an episode, and then a couple of days later, the stories we talked about, they shift, something develops, and I really want to talk about it. But by the time seven days pass and we get to the next Wednesday, it seems trivial to go back. And so that detail is lost in in our record. Yeah. Um, and Wednesdays are becoming like I get in here early in the morning and I work through all of the clips we've collected all day long until you get here. And it's just becoming a massive task. And I'm starting to wonder – if we had a little more funding so we could dedicate a little bit more resources, if it would be time to go twice, maybe even more a week, where we'd have a main show where you and I would host it at this time, and then like a morning show on Monday and Friday or Monday and Thursday or Monday and Sunday. I don't I know that would be no good. But something like that where I could do the pickup stories, the follow-up stories. Call it unfiltered supplemental. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think if we got that thing up to around four thousand dollars, I don't know how many patrons that would take. Well, what I will do, Chris, is I'm going to add that into the goal. I will change the goal. I will add. Oh, it, okay. I will add a new four K goal. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. And uh, we'll we'll call it unfiltered supplemental. Yeah. And uh, we'll launch it if uh, if we get to that goal. And I'd like to I get, like goals. I'd like to get uh, people's uh, thoughts on it yeah. on the mail in the mail sack from yes, our club thirty three. Right. So club thirty three. And actually, I'll, I'll probably open up a question to all patrons at five or more. Oh. Uh, on that question Whoa. as we yeah so just one message this week into the sack and for club 33 uh, comes in from cops rules and it's just two words seth rich ah if you want to be a part of club 33 and patreon head over to patreon.com slash unfilter yeah and join on up but hey you know if you can't jump in at 33 there are simple ways to do it you can come in as low as two dollars or more per month that shows us that you support our show and what we're doing but if you want to unlock all the awesome features jump in at five dollars or more per month there you get the supporter sync there you get to go back and look at all our notes there you get to go back and look Mm -hmm. at all the hard work that producer matt chris and myself put into the show every single week Going all the way back to, I believe, what, episode 54. Something like that. So nearly four years of great content. So check it out. And also, hot tip from producer Matt. Hot tip. Because the archive is so 
freaking huge. Producer Matt recommends you install the BitTorrent Sync client on your mobile device, which allows you to only pull down the files you want, but view all of them. Really? Which is a great way to just oh, go get a clip you heard on the show. Double dang. Yeah, Producer Matt pro tip for the supporters. You need BitTorrent Sync, you'll have to go back through our Patreon posts to find it. The reason why we don't have like a current post is I really desperately want to replace it, but I don't know with what yet. Long story. Short version is you can find it in the back catalog, and then you can use the mobile app to just go get that one or two clips you heard us talk about. Like, there's going to be some in the overtime you're going to Oh, want. I bet there is. Yeah. Absolutely. Pa- Patreon.com slash Unfilter, and uh, let us know what you think about the idea of doing Unfilter Supplemental. Of course, it's all early days, and it would require some investment on our end. So I'm, we're starting to talk about it. The Beard and I were talking about it today. <laughs> I've been kicking around for about two months. When I went down to Texas, I was on the drive. I was considering, boy, I was like, geez, I was thinking about it. Some ways it'd almost be easier when I'm traveling to do a daily show just because I could do like a 15, 20, 30-minute show every single day right. while I'm processing this stuff. Anyways, yeah. lots of stuff is possible with your support, patreon.com slash unfilter. Now, now, Chris, we've we've had a, a pretty full show. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, it always happens that way when yeah. we come off a, an off week. Yeah. And, you know, you had your break. We had Memorial Day, you know, uh, in memorance of all of our great and awesome military members who gave their lives to have the freedom to talk on a show like this mm-hmm. and spread the word. Mm-hmm. I'm now ready to just kind of decompress. Wrap it all up. And end the show on a high note. So CBC has a dedicated Newfoundland um Division. CBC? Yeah. Of course they do. I just didn't really think about it. Like, it just, I uh, mean. Uh, Chris, it, it is a uh, part of Canada. I know, but like a dedicated division of CBC? You do realize Newfoundland is pretty big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I just, you know. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I found it fascinating. And so uh, I was, I got I got entranced by CBC Newfoundland this last <laughs> week. I know. It's so weird. And I found this clip on, right. on, 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 on man, a marijuana and driving. Hey, all I got is two words for you. Or two name uh, a name Peter Mansbridge. Yeah, well, don't he's ne- the man. never forget, never forget, never forget Peter. You know CBS is looking. Just saying. Oh, you mean you think he'll be? Wouldn't that the- be incredible oh, if he replaced Scott Pelley? I thought. I thought you know he is going to be leaving yeah. CBC. I thought he was yeah. going to retire, but he could be the next God, Peter I, Jennings. I would to- yeah, come on down. It would be so legit to have him. It would a- legit. He's uh, true. Yeah, man. right now they're going to have their stand, their typical standing. Yeah, right? fair enough. Um, anyways, so I thought this would be useful because it gives us an insight into how cops catch drivers that are driving under the influence of Pat. Oh, in Canada? Yeah, and but I think this is probably relevant for the states too. Right. It sounds like it all pretty much lines up, and I thought it'd be educational for the class. I like education. Generally, there's four or five components to an impaired driving investigation. First off, we would have to have a reason to believe that somebody uh, was operating the vehicle while impaired. So it could be a call from the public indicating that the driver was driving erratically. So don't drive erratically is, I mean, obvious. Like if you're drunk, you're you know, somebody's going to drive that. crazy. Check. Got it. Yeah, okay. it's like, gosh. All right, number one. It could be at a roadside checkpoint ah. um, or it could be at a motor vehicle accident. So oh, okay. we would have yeah. to have a reason to have an interaction with the person. What are people like when they're in this room? Uh, we have a vast responses to people being charged with impaired driving. This is the room, I think, maybe where they're. Where That's they're, the breathalyzer room. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, again, it would depend on how much alcohol they have, or as we're going to talk about today, how much drugs. So it would depend on what type of drug or medication. Oh. At roadside, if I suspect that somebody has uh, consumed marijuana, uh, whether it's uh, a fresh odor or a stale odor. Uh, sometimes we'll see marijuana debris in the vehicle. Oh, geez. All right, so uh, rule number seven, uh, don't have weed in your yeah. vehicle. Okay. Yeah, and sub-tip, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're joking. We do not I, encourage no, driving under the we, uh, Yeah, full disclosure, yeah. this is bad. Just joking don't around do here, having fun don't at the end it. of the show. Don't worry, uh, they'll cut.
cut that part out, sure, and they'll yeah, just say that we support Corporate will make yeah. sure that doesn't go out. Yeah. Um, HR? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Got it. Thanks. The other thing is, is if you do get the munchies uh, and you kind of stink, you smell like pot a little bit, just leave the fast food bag in dude, your vehicle. Dude, That's the predominant smell. One like, word. Product placement Febreze. That's all you need to do. Yeah, just spray I'm just it saying, on. The, you're good. The, like some really greasy fast food. Like that smell lingers, and it's a strong smell. <laughs> Nothing uh, like burgers. Certainly, uh, some signs in their eyes, such as dilated pupils, reddened eyes. I would do a standard. Eye- they got like B-roll of some guy, just like, <laughs> and they they left the audio on it so you can hear him. Yeah, it's stupid. So apparently, they look at you, they look for red eyes, which uh, that's a real rookie mistake. If you're, if oh, yeah. you're First of all, if you're driving around under the influence, I can't help you, son. But if you're driving around under the influence with, like, uh, pot leaves and in your car and, like, a smoke cloud and red eyes, you really deserve what's coming to you. Uh, Some signs in their eyes, such as dilated pupils, reddened eyes. I would do a standardized field sobriety test. And that consists of three batteries of tests, we'll say. Um, One is an eye evaluation in which I determine um, how your eyes react to a certain stimulus and how I move that flashlight. Yeah, so it's essentially a drunk test for a stoner, which seems like a stoner would pass. I feel you guys listen to this, but I feel like a stoner would pass every single one of these tests with flying colors. Two, three. The other two tests that would be conducted at roadside would be um, a walk and turn and a one leg stand. Those are divided attention tests. That would literally, for some, probably be easier when they're stoned. Right. Because they're like just going to chill out and, why don't you want to put my leg up? No big yeah, deal. I actually heard about this. Uh, some impaired drivers that are impaired on cannabis uh, will drive slower yeah. and more according to the rules of road yeah. because of the fact they're high. <laughs> and they tend to be less aggressive. Right. They're, they're a little more docile. Right. Or psychophysical tests. 1011, 1012. And the premise behind it is that we ask you to do multiple things at the same time, right? I think everybody can agree that when you're operating a motor vehicle, you have to be able to multitask or do more than one thing at a time, whether it's steer, change lanes, accelerate, brake. At the end of the evaluation, I have to make a determination, A, if the person is impaired, B, which uh, category the suspect is impaired by. Then we would actually do a demand for a urine sample. and. Uh, that's how they find the THC. That's pretty much the only way. I've had evaluations come back or urinalysis come back where people have had up to 16 different drugs in their system. Now, that guy's to, having a party. Now, to be fair, and we already know this, that uh, you know, if you've done cannabis, it could stay up into a person's system for up to, what is it? Like three months? Oh, is it that long? And if they and if they do a hair sample, I think it's like two years. Oh my gosh, it's crazy! Wow. So yeah, I that's, mean, that's that's gonna. Just that's why out. you have, uh, I think, University of Washington and other uh, universities working on a more instant test to use at roadside, like a breathalyzer. Hmm. It's interesting to see the, the, the what they're using. Uh, it doesn't seem to be that effective for uh, getting people for finding people under the influence of cannabis. And I think one of the trickiest things about it is. Somebody who's smoked weed for the first time is going to drive probably is going to be a lot more dangerous to drive than somebody who's been smoking for a year because the person's been smoking for a year to their dissatisfaction isn't going to get all that stoned anymore. And, I, and I'm not trying to – what I'm trying to say is there's not like a like a, a field sobriety test that will tell you if there's THC in their system because the guy that smoked it for a year could pass the sobriety test with flying colors but still be three joints in. Probably right. not. Yep, but totally. it, it could be possible where the guy that's smoked pot for the first time is half a joint in and he's totally blind. Blasted. 
one guy may have significantly more THC in his system, and the other guy will have significantly less, two totally different results. Yep. Kind of true with alcohol, but I don't think it's as dramatic. Yeah. I don't think so. The only way to really find out, of course, would be if we had the audience submit testing. Go out, test on yourselves. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't no. do that. And, and take your picture no, yeah. and tweet it don't, to no, at Chris no, LES. No. And also at Jupiter Signal. Why as well? I take it all back. I yeah, take it yeah. all back. Or post it to our subreddit page at unfiltered.reddit.com. Under attack. Under attack by everybody on the left, on the right, in the center. It's under attack. It's kind of remarkable. Uh, I don't know. I guess we could recommend you go there if you want to. Also, you can email us. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Yep. Don't forget, Mr. Chase will be opening up the feedback to all of our patrons at $5. Five or more. Or more. Four more. Yeah. And we want to know what you think about Unfiltered Supplemental, which will be our next goal at yeah. 4000 or more per month. And now we have more coming. The overtime is just around the corner, and there's some good stuff. But if you, if you do have to depart at this point, we understand. Yes. And so we'll leave you with a few bits of wisdom. Let's start with where they can find you throughout the week, Mr. Chase. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter, at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Oh. You can also follow my gaming antics, as I do lots of game streaming over on Twitch. And I created a new URL, ggtvlive.com, oh. and that will auto-redirect you over to that. Now, Chris... I know for a fact mm-hmm. that you do a vlog. I know for a fact oh. that you help run an awesome podcasting well. network. Where can people find that info? You know, if you follow me on Twitter at Chris LAS, you'll get a lot of that stuff, like right. that variation. You can follow the network at Jupiter Signal. Nice. I'm going to give a plug for plug. User Air. Ooh. We relaunched it, myself, The Beard, and Noah, and it is our loosest, most laid-back, cut-loose show we've ever done. I think you might like it. Check it out. Also, Linux Action News, linuxactionnews.com. Myself and Joe give you our take on Linux and open source every single week. Brand new show at linuxactionnews.com. We'll be back next Wednesday. You can watch us live. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get it in your local time. And then head over to jblive.tv on a Wednesday to watch the Unfilter show. And otherwise, we'll see you right back here next Next week. The show truly over. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. Oh, but I will. No, no, friends. It's time for overtime. Thank you to our new patrons, Lord Melman, Simon Q. Hey, Simon. Good to see you. Arena and Patrick A. And everyone who signed up at patreon.com slash unfilter, this segment's dedicated to you. We may have some interesting news coming your way soon. So thank you so much for your support and keeping us going at patreon.com slash unfilter. All right, you know how I like to start the overtime. I like a little old Nancy in my overtime. That's how I like to start it these days. Now, I usually come on at this point and uh, tell you how the... uh, Corporatist Democrats are out of touch, and they represent the failing aspect of the Democratic Party, which is losing elections and which cost them the election, not the Russians. It was a populist movement, and it was Bernie Sanders or Trump. And when Sanders got muscled out, it ended up being Trump. 
It's a bigger thing that's happening. And often I use the O'Nancy segment as a way to demonstrate how out of touch they are with the people they claim to represent. But this week, I'll let a guest on MSNBC explain it for us. How about that? a petri dish because it doesn't happen in a vacuum. The ads that Gianforte ran against Quist were calling him Nancy Pelosi in a cowboy hat. In other words, tying him to the incredibly damaged oh. national brand. Oh. And part of the problem here isn't even a policy or an economic issue. It's also the way that we have chosen and selected candidates. What does Nancy Pelosi mean? She means out of touch elite. She means tied into the donor communities. And I'm not even talking about. <laughs> it's kind of awkward for Joy there. She starts a AM Joy there. Starts getting a little weird. If you're watching the video version, it, it's fun to watch her face. Whether that's true but, or not, but, but, that but is her really brand quickly, image. But hold on, quickly. let me just. Hold on, I got to interrupt you. I have to sidetrack you. We can't keep talking about that. Let me just finish this point. Hold on, I'm not going to let you interrupt me. I'm going to actually make this point on MSNBC. So when we focus as a party on picking candidates based on their connections to the donor class rather than their connections, Connections to the community. That's how we get this national brand. It's the expressions on these two ladies' faces are priceless. You can tell that Joy is putting on this superficial uh, smiley face, and she's extremely uncomfortable. But the person uh, Satasha, I think, is her name, sitting next to Joy in the in the in the three by box, really has a very skeptical one eyebrow raised, head cocked slightly to the side kind of look. It's it's really classic, and she's sitting here laying it into Nancy Pelosi. Their connections to the donor class, rather than their connections to the community, that's how we get this national brand. It's not going to take one race to fix it. It's going to take a whole rebranding of the party. A whole rebranding. Okay, so that opens up our own Nancy segment for the week. The inspiration of the own Nancy segment, I don't know if I've made this clear. It's probably clear if you've just been listening since the beginning of the segment, was, uh, oh, oh, Nancy, oh, oh, Nancy, that moment that she called Donald Trump President Bush. And I thought, boy, that's so funny. Let's put that in the overtime. And then she did it again. And now, now she's done it again. Mind you, this is not about abortion. For decades I've served in Congress, and for decades I've had to fight the Republicans' opposition to birth control, contraception, and family planning. They do not believe in it. And a lot of those people voted for George, for what's his name? Um, um, <sighs> you heard it. You heard it, right? I mean, you heard it. And to birth control, contraception, and family planning. They do not believe in it. You can kind of tell she's starting to lose a thread of something, actually, when she starts getting to family planning. You can tell her brain's starting to space out. Control, contraception, and family planning. They do not believe in it. And a lot of those people voted for George, for, what's his name? (laughs) Just unbelievable. It. And a lot of those people voted for George, for, what's his name? Yeah, the president of the United States. I'll, I'll give. I'll honor the position. You know. Yeah, yeah, try to smooth your way out of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Of course. Of course. That's that's what it's about. Uh, and then, in, you know, inspiring confidence with our partners around the world and uh, reassuring those partners that the United States is a good long-term ally. That comes secondary to partisan politics in Nancy Pelosi's world. Given the concerns that you've expressed about President Trump's judgment, should our foreign partners be nervous right now about sharing 
sensitive information with the U.S. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be nervous? The uh, this is a the, as a person who's been involved in intelligence for decades. Oh, you you have here. Uh, this is a discipline. This is something that you Some, dis, something she knows a lot about. Apparently, have to be with like a mental discipline, Nancy, on a regular daily basis. If you're president of the United States, George Bush, and you have to understand that words weigh a ton. <laughs> so what the president did not only jeopard, possibly jeopardized an individual uh-huh. an operation but undermined uh, the trust uh, that foreign countries would have in sharing information with us. He shared information that wasn't ours to give. Uh, he did so in a manner that said, well, I have a right to do it. But I do wonder uh, if uh, this uh, sort of spastic politics of our country also give our partners pause. Nancy's not alone, though. Maxine's been struggling to recall a few things, too, like the members of that Kremlin clan that her staff came up with. So what? So where are you going to go if they can't release this information? And isn't this something for some of the intelligence panels that are already investigating any ties it, to Russia to deal with? It could be. Uh, one of the things that has happened with my office and my staff is we've been on top of some of these issues long before our committees really got serious about investigations. Is that another way of saying we've been stoking this fire, trying to lead the pack on this to that to make ourselves uh, more important in the Democratic Party? My staff has been trying to turn up stuff before we could actually get this thing going. Is that is that another way of saying I don't I, I'm not clear what she means by that. We had identified what we call the Kremlin clan. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. They branded that. They branded that. Now, uh, that's sort of your term, Nancy. So why don't you just rattle that off for us? And we had named Manafort and Flynn and uh, Carter. Um, who else? And, who else? And, and, and who else, Nancy? Come on. Who else? A number- or, I'm sorry, Maxine. <laughs> no, I'm doing it. Of them. Roger Stone. Oh, Roger Stone. Yeah, Roger Stone. Yeah. Got serious about investigations. We had identified what we call the Kremlin clan and we had named Manafort and Flynn and uh, Carter um, and, and, and a number of them. Roger Stone uh, from all being involved in some way. And we on top of the fact that uh, Bank had guaranteed loans and they'd made a loan to help develop uh, the hotel uh, here in Washington, D.C. So we're in advance, we know, of a lot of what's going on with the investigation. In but advance. Yes, they certainly can pick it up and perhaps will pick it up. Well, another uh, great commentary, Maxine. Thank you very much. Uh, Nancy has a bit of another brain freeze herself, too. I'm concerned that Director Mueller will still be subject to the supervision of the Trump-appointed leadership at the Justice Department. We must remain vigilant to protect the integrity. Fair enough. Good point. Okay. Yeah, so okay. Point received. Fairly well delivered. Continues. Of uh, Mueller investigation. Oh, okay. A special prosecutor cannot take the place of a truly independent outside commission that is completely free from the Trump administration's meddling. A commission is also necessary to address the broader vulnerability of our elections to foreign interference in the future. Mm, so not maybe just Russians, maybe others. Hmm. The investigation that... Uh, the- um, Nancy, it's it's literally been 38 seconds. You 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 already forgot his name? What are we calling now? Special- <laughs> 
<laughs> what do we call him now? What do we call him now? The investigation that, uh, not the, what do we call him now? Spe- uh, special counsel Mueller is undertaking. Is it- She's having a bit of a hard time with it. She's having a bit of a hard time. You know, it's it's understandable, though. This, these things are confusing. They're They're tough. Sometimes you get things confused, like maybe that the NRA is part of the intelligence community. Talk about Russia's undermining our elections. They did it. It's not even any question. Oh, okay. They hacked, they leaked, they disrupted. Oh, okay. The question is, was there a collusion between the campaign and that? That's what the question you can't is. can't know no. until you have the full-fledged... Can I just ask one And follow-up? to have a president say, to the, if he did, to the uh, director of the FBI or the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, or the NRA... I'm sorry, what? Um... Okay, I know those other ones. Say, to the, if he did, to the uh, director of the FBI or the DNI, the director of national intelligence, or the NRA person that, um, oh. uh, that, that uh, they should not. Oh, Nancy. Shall I let it go? Shall I let it play? Go forward. Oh, okay. Thanks, Nancy. pause that your uh, friendly neighborhood podcaster might be more qualified to do Nancy's Pelosi's job than Nancy's Pelosi's is? Scares the shit out of me. Let's move on to somebody else who scares the shit out of me, and that would be the Clintons. (laughs) Hillary's back, guys. Hillary's back, and uh, she was giving a commencement speech. She's doing real good. Tell that... uh, Tell that pneumonia kicked back up. And to recognize the amazing futures... That awaits you. Now, you can look. She's starting to swallow hard. If you're watching and you listen, she's starting to swallow hard. But, you know, that pneumonia, it's real hard to kick, guys. That awaits you. You know, <coughs> four years ago. Uh-oh. Maybe a little more or less. Oh, no. <coughs> for some of you. So, man, I've got to get a lozenge. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Let's clap that. <laughs> yeah, lozenge. Yeah, that's good. <coughs> oh, and then somebody runs up with water. Good. Because that's super funny. She brought a bottle of water. God, that's funny. Ooh, bottle of water. Yeah, bottle of water. Yeah. I told the trustees I was sitting with. This clip goes on for three more minutes. But maybe you changed your major three times and your hairstyle twice as many as that. <clears throat> She's struggling for the next three minutes. <clears throat> but whatever your path, you dream big. You probably, in true Wellesley fashion, planned your academic and extracurricular schedule. Oh, boy, when you're uh, 69 years old, that uh, pneumonia, it's really tough to kick. That, uh, you know, that's not keeping her down. She, like we mentioned last week, she is getting some work done. Um, she's got a plan. Quick recap. Well, Hillary Clinton lost the presidency in part because of widespread popular disgust at the amount of money her family made from politics, hundreds of millions of dollars. And the belief that she used her influence to cash in, which, of course, she did repeatedly. Now, Hillary is creating a brand new political action committee 
Peter Schweitzer watches this kind of stuff for a living. He's the president of the Government Accountability Institute. He also wrote the book Clinton Cash, Throw Them All Out, and a bunch of other books worth reading. He says the Clinton business dealings, where they commingle business and politics, are far from over. They're corrupt, by the way. Well, Congress remains compromised as well, thanks to a report of insider trading. Peter Schweitzer joins us now to untangle this ugly web. Uh, so, Peter, what is this new Hillary Clinton PAC, and how will she get rich from it? Well, it's basically a 501c4, uh, which is a tax-exempt organization, um, and it can take uh, unlimited donations. Those can be secretive donations, and I think really this organization is going to serve two purposes. Number one, the Clintons have all these people, guys like Sid Blumenthal, that need a place to hang their hat. So it's an opportunity to do that, to keep their network in place. Number two, what it's going to do is make them relevant in the Democratic Party. All right, so that's what's going on there. Of course, uh, Hillary was spotted at a memorial parade in her hometown. Uh, there she was again wearing her uh, Carl Zeiss blue lenses. Really, really stylish Carl Zeiss blue lenses. Um, something that really stands out. You seem to notice them every time. She wasn't wearing them, though, at uh, the Code Conference uh, hosted by Walt Mossberg and Kara Swisher, where she answered questions about the biggest mistake that she made. And she manages to twist this into a rant of how the email story was the biggest nothing burger ever. We're going to talk a lot about tech and politics and mm -hmm. tech in our country, yeah, yeah. your views on it. I think this was, uh, we were talking backstage, and I think this was the first election where tech sort of got weaponized in a way that that uh, directly affected the outcome of the election, and I know you have yeah. stuff about it, but I have to ask you first, right. um, discounting all those outside forces, which were obviously very important, what misjudgment did you mm -hmm. make mm -hmm. and your staff right. that you, th thinking about it, uh, was uh, something serious? And Okay, so he's asking, what serious mistake did you make? What serious misjudgment did you make? And that you wish you had done the opposite. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm writing a whole book, Walt. Oh, there she's plugging again. And, well, uh, I, I don't want to wait we, for the book. We, yeah, we, we don't, we don't uh, probably have enough time for everything. Uh, but look, the overriding issue that uh, affected the election that I had any control over, because I had no control over the Russians. Um, too bad about that, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, I hope. Um, was the way that uh, the use of uh, my email account was uh, turned into, you know, the biggest scandal since Lord knows when. And, you know, I'm just, in the book, I'm just using every, uh, everything that anybody else said about it besides me to basically said this was the biggest nothing burger ever. It was a mistake. I've said nothing it was a burger. mistake. And obviously, if I got turned the clock back, I wouldn't have done it in the first place. But the way that it was used uh, was very damaging. So, so that, wasn't, that was not an admission of a mistake at all. And you didn't handle it? That's a mistake on your part? Or <laughs> Kara's like, wait a minute, hold on. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, that's such a hold on. She's like, she. You can hear the confusion. Like she's totally like, hold. That's that's not it. That's not. Um, no, that's not what we asked you. That's not what we asked you. Was used uh, was very damaging. So. And you didn't handle it? That's a mistake on your part, or the way it was used was a mistake on your part? <laughs> That's a legitimately good question. Well, we're trying to get at what yeah. you think you misjudged. Well, if you went all the way back, uh, doing something that others had done before... <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. ...was no longer 
acceptable. See, that's moving the goalpost. That's saying that the argument was that she used an email server. That's not the issue. Although it's questionable, the quest, the the question the question if she used the email server is not what she was in trouble for. What she was in trouble potentially for, what she was under investigation for, was emailing classified information on this system. Classified information, not the fact that she used an email account on her own server, but that she was emailing classified information on it. But she's moving the goalpost, disingenuously so, because she knows what she was under investigation for. She knows what she was questioned by the FBI over hours and hours and hours for. She knows mistake on your because well we're trying to get at what you think you misjudged well if you went all the way back uh doing something that others had done before (laughs) was no longer acceptable in the new environment in which we found ourselves (laughs) and there was no law against it there was no rule nothing of that sort so i didn't break any rule nobody said don't do this and i was very responsible and not at all careless oh okay so you no, uh, telling people to remove the headers having emails forwarded to uma abedin having those emails forwarded to anthony weiner's laptop having your server all over the place not properly securing your server having multiple email addresses that people didn't even know about that, that that's totally responsible end up with a situation that is then exploited and very effectively for adverse political uh, reasons. And it was maddening. Oh, yeah. Because in the middle of a hard-fought campaign, it's hard to stop and say, wait a minute, what you think you know about this is not accurate, let me tell you. You can still judge me. You can still hold me accountable. That's fair game. Yeah, you're not going to hold yourself accountable, though, are you? And then, then, she goes off against the DNC. She's about to rip the DNC apart. And if you listen to what she's saying, she's saying she bailed them out. She rescued them. Well, no wonder they stacked the deck for Hillary. She saved them. She probably, well, we know that she stacked it full of people that were favorable to her. She had the superdelegates super stack, too. Remember when we used to talk about the superdelegates that were all in for Hillary? Remember how that used to be such a big discussion topic? Remember how, remember how she had that all lined up beautifully? And then she had the DNC stacked as well. But why? Why would the DNC do it? Because they're supposed to be there to serve the Democratic Party. What would be their motivation? Well, I think this clip sort of reveals what their motivation were. They were desperate. That the, that the left, the Democrats, the liberals, whatever you want to call them, including Bernie Sanders folks and all, everybody uh, on, on the Democratic side, which at, which at one time, many, you know, like 12, 15 years ago, was ahead of the Republicans mm-hmm. on yeah. tech as it right. existed then, right. is way behind now. Yeah. And yeah. it's not just, I oh, mean, is that common knowledge? there's a way to weaponize tech that doesn't involve lying. Right. Uh, or doing or having Russians help you. Right. But just it, it, it is a political weapon. It's a fact of life. So now. How do you do that? How do you do well, it? How do we do it? But let, let me let me let me uh, just do a comparison for you. So, you know, I set up my campaign and we have our own data operation, which is creepy and also interesting. I get the nomination. So I'm now the nominee of the Democratic Party. I inherit nothing from the Democratic Party. Listen to her. She's pissed. What do you mean nothing? I mean, it was bankrupt. It was on the verge of insolvency. Its data was 
mediocre to poor, non-existent, wrong. <laughs> I had to inject money into it. This is the DNC. The, the DNC to keep it going. Okay. That right there is the key line, isn't it? Isn't that? Isn't that it right there? Yeah. As mediocre to poor, non-existent, wrong. I had to inject money into it. This is the DNC. The, the DNC to keep it going. Okay. To keep it going. Well, no wonder they served her. Donald Trump, who did nothing about really setting up any kind of data operation, inherits an RNC data foundation that after the Republicans lost in 2012. You should have run as a Republican, Hillary. And they thought they had a very good operation with the setup that Romney did, the called Orca. They thought that was really state of the art. They- you know, I actually think this is kind of this is kind of her power area. She's really this is all legit. In fact, she's about to get to an old marketing term that is is really for people that are into this stuff. They lose. So they raised best estimates are close to 100 million dollars. They brought in their main vendors. They basically said we will never be behind the Democrats again. And they invested between 2012 and 2016 this $100 million to build this data foundation. They beta tested it. Uh, They ran it. Somebody was able to determine about 227,000 surveys to double check, triple check, quadruple check the information. Wow, she's really familiar with this topic. So Trump becomes the nominee and he is basically handed this tried and true effective foundation. It doesn't sound that tried and true, but okay. That's right. That's fine. Then you've got Cambridge Analytica. And, you know, you can believe the the hype on how great they were or the hype on how they weren't. The fact is they added something. And I think, again, we better understand that. The Mercers did not in, invest all that money just for their own amusement. Mm-hmm. We know they played in Brexit. And we know... Played in Brexit. Oh, that uh, they came to... Uh, Jared Kushner. We know this. And basically said, we will marry our operation, which was more, as it's been described, psychographics. There it is. Psychographics, ladies and gentlemen. Go look that one up. Which was more, as it's been described, psychographics, sentiment, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, harvesting of Facebook information. We will marry that with uh, the, the RNC. On two conditions, you pick Steve Bannon and you pick Kellyanne Conway. Wow, now how is that for some uh, history right there? I have no idea if she's right. Psychographic sentiment, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, harvesting of Facebook information. We will marry that with uh, the, the RNC. On two conditions, you pick Steve Bannon and you pick Kellyanne Conway. And then we're in. Trump says, fine, who cares, right? So Bannon, who'd been running the Breitbart operation, supplying a lot of the, uh, the untrue, false oh, yeah, yeah. stories. Yeah, start saying lies. Yeah, uh, we, we know. Uh, so we they know married content with delivery and data. There she is. There she is. <laughs> so that's.
that's how Bannon came to work for Trump uh, and Conway, according to uh, Hillary. And also some interesting insider baseball stuff about uh, data. I want to cover this uh, story about uh, leaks around the Manchester shooting. Breaking news story this hour. The mayor of Manchester's condemned the uh, leaks from the investigation into the terror attack that are apparently coming from the U.S. Uh, that's amid reports the U.K. stopped sharing with Washington uh, any intelligence on the matter. These leaks are completely unacceptable and must stop immediately. This behaviour is arrogant and is undermining the investigation into the horrific attack on the city of Manchester. It is really sort of... In, well, I don't know if interesting is the right word. It's... um. It's alarming that that the level of leaks now they're happening, like the, what Trump talks about on a phone call, what the pictures of the uh, bullets look like that we get from our intelligence partners. It's really it's really all over the place. We talked about Trey Gowdy earlier in the show. I want to follow up on that conversation. So you're saying, and of course, you're right. But it ends up just being frustrating to people listening because it, it, it devolves into this debate over semantics. They're talking about uh, Gowdy's questioning, and they have a former CIA agent in as their guest. Intel versus evidence. And in fact, it got a little heated with Congressman Trey Gowdy. So let me just play this for you, and then you can respond. Watch this. Did you have evidence of a connection between the Trump campaign and Russian state actors? As I said, Mr. Gowdy, I don't do evidence. I appreciate that you don't do evidence, Director Brennan. You and I both know what the word evidence means. It's a really simple question. Did evidence exist of collusion, coordination, conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russian state actors at the time you learned of 2016 efforts? I encountered and am aware of information and intelligence that um, revealed contacts and interactions between Russian officials and U.S. persons involved. All right. So you know how this goes. So let me fast forward to this guy's reaction uh, to that line of questioning. Free Gowdy ought to have his ass kicked. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that? Then communication. Well, Trey Gowdy ought to have his ass kicked. Wow. He knows the difference between intelligence. And you hear them snickering in the background, too? You hear that? Collusion exists. That's the burning question Listen that everybody wants answered. And then Brennan says, well, I know of contacts and communication. Well, Trey Gowdy ought to have his ass kicked. He knows the difference between intelligence and evidence. Let me tell you something, Allison. If you're an American citizen and the National Security Agency collects intelligence, that is, intercepts of Russians who report what you've said... Do you think it's fair to go to a court and say that's evidence that you did something wrong? That's why the FBI is going to take a year or more to investigate this, because the American citizens involved in the... I'll cut him off there. So he ought to get his ass kicked, guys. He ought to get his ass kicked for answer, you know, asking about the evidence. Get his ass kicked. What a jerk, huh? What a jerk. He's just trying to connect the dots, after all. Just trying to connect the dots. Here's what I've said. I've said that we need the information. We need to connect the dots. And we got to drill down. We've got to connect the dots. Get the facts. Connect the dots. Do everything that I possibly can to help uh, connect the dots. I've said we've got to connect the dots. I've always said if we connect the dots, I believe that they should have to connect the dots if we're able to connect the dots. And if we determine... The facts, if the, the dots are connected, uh, let's get to the bottom of it all. Let's see if the dots connect. You've lost your mind. You've lost your mind, Charlie. 
All right, that brings us to the end of the overtime this week. If you're a patron, thank you very much. Patreon.com slash unfilter. We've got some crazy plans in the near future we may be sharing with you soon. Depends on how everything works out. You never know. Things are crazy these days. Lots of news collection. Your Unfilter show will be back at its regular time next week. If you'd like to catch the full live stream, because there's more stuff we're still doing on the live stream, the show's not over yet for the live stream, go to patreon.com slash unfilter. Even if you're not a patron, I'm trying to publish the live stream for everybody. The full unfiltered experience. Patreon.com slash unfilter. And if you like what you see, maybe you'll consider supporting us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here.